0: Welcome to This is Modern Rock. I'm Will Westerkow. I'm joined here today by Elizabeth Merritt. Welcome. Thank you, Will. And today we're going to be looking at the Billboard Modern Rock charts from April 1989. Wowee. Elizabeth is a special, special guest. She's a musician, but she's not a modern rock musician in a touring band of any kind. But what she is, is my older sibling. What? And... That's important because I think any of you out there who have an older sibling understand how important an older sibling can be when learning about music and building an appreciation for music.
1: I think that's true, but I, I also think that uh, we might have to analyze how we came to know and love modern music and how we were raised and what we were listening to as children because I don't think our situation was the same as a lot of our contemporaries.
0: Yeah, I would say that's probably true.
1: Our father is quite old. <laughs> um, and I don't even think he liked the Beatles. Right. You know, and our mom, I don't think, really cared for music in general. We didn't listen to the radio. We didn't... No. I can remember hearing the song Manic Monday at Roller King for mm-hmm. a friend's birthday when I was in elementary school and thinking that that was the coolest. But Right. I, I remember
0: hearing some current pop hits at Shakey's Pizza, yeah. probably in the oh, late oh, 80s. Yeah. And... That was kind of staggering to me, um, just because I hadn't heard anything like that. Yeah. And they really they really uh, locked themselves in my mind.
1: Yeah, Berlin's take my breath away. That's one of them. Is yeah, shakys to me.
0: Um, Phil Collins is in the air tonight. Yeah, and um, Bob Seeger's old time rock and roll. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so it's it's funny that those are incredible songs <laughs> yeah. to us, but that's where we but were. They are. Yeah,
1: they are. But I also think so. Uh, then. When did it all change? The the 90s. I was in high school. That's when Nirvana was breaking, Smashing Pumpkins. And then from there, I I don't know where you went because then I was leaving town, but uh, that's when I was like, this music's really good. And I kind of had to start from the beginning. I wanted to explore the influences on the bands that were now new and know where they got what they sounded like, I guess. Mm-hmm. That seems kind of confusing. So I, I consider myself an expert on a lot of 80s music because I had to take it back. Right. And then you and I, we used to send CDs back and forth to each other all the time mm-hmm. with stuff that we discovered and none of
0: it was new music. That's right. I don't know if this is true. You can correct me. But I imagine you were meeting cool new friends from bigger cities who had access to more music and they were introducing you perhaps. To- I,
1: there's some truth to that. I can think of one mixtape in particular.
0: Party at my house yeah. be there mixtape.
1: Yeah, it was a it was like a, a party favor for mm-hmm. a, a housewarming I went to and she she was actually a younger sister and I think she got a lot of music from her older brother and it was like the first time I heard uh The Smiths. Right. Uh, and it it blew my mind. The, uh, who else was on there? Uh, uh Peter Murphy was on Peter there. Peter Murphy mm-hmm. was on there. That one cassette was like a turning point and it was just a mixtape that someone made and gave to me.
0: Right. And of course you sending that to me, that was also the first time that I heard the Smiths. Yeah. And I think The Clash. Yep. Yep. Now, beyond that, let me let me throw this one at you. I, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember one particular trip we went out to McFrugal's. Is that still a place? What,
1: I, what, I don't know. What is McFrugal's? Uh, it was, it's a
0: store, right? It was a store. Where
1: was it? You have to, I think it was in Modesto. Uh I assume.
0: I don't know. (laughs) Should I, before we continue, should I look this up and see if it's a real place or if I I imagined it?
1: I think you should.
0: Okay. Hold on. Okay.
1: So we've consulted our fact checker.
0: Yeah. So for whatever reason, we went to McFrugal's, which is is now big lots. Yeah. And they had a, a big CD and cassette tape rack. Uh-huh. And I saw some stuff that was sort of interesting, and you, Elizabeth, pushed it on me. I did? Yeah, you kind of said, you should definitely buy this. I was very on the fence.
1: I need to know what I pushed on you.
0: Yeah, and so there, I got two CDs and I got a cassette tape. And- one of the CDs, oddly enough, I should look this up, but I believe it was like a promo from Camel Cigarettes, like a like a send away. And all I remember about it is that it had the stone roses on it. Uh-huh. And it's the first time I had heard them. Uh-huh. The other CD was a compilation from Rhino called DIY, American Power Pop Volume Two. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the cassette tape was part of that same collection. It was a DIY Los Angeles punk compilation. Mm-hmm. And not only did this just blow open my mind with new types of music and new sounds that I'd never heard before, but it also inspired me to seek out the rest of the collection. And I discovered so many bands, Wire, Buzzcocks. I could really just go on and on. I just, so much music that I love, I found through that DIY set. And I
1: actually, I mean, I do not remember going to Mm McFrugal's and I do not remember telling you to buy these records and I kind of like this memory though for selfish reasons because it makes me sound a lot more knowledgeable about music Mm -hmm. and cooler than I actually am but that's awesome I like that you did that um (laughs) how cool are you exactly uh, 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 (laughs) (laughs) um I do remember this period though when you did delve into those rhino uh compilations because Mm -hmm. they definitely like took over the mixes that you sent me and it was really good stuff
0: yeah and it's actually I'm excited because some of the music we're gonna hear today my appreciation for them is directly linked to those compilations.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you, McFrugals. Yeah,
0: thank you. And thank you, Elizabeth.
1: Oh, you're you're welcome.
0: Yeah. So at the end of March 1989, okay. Elvis Costello's Veronica was at the number one spot. Okay. And then in the last week of March, XTC hit number one with their song Mayor of Simpleton. Okay. And Mayor of Simpleton is going to stay at the top spot, number one, for the entire month of April 1989.
1: Wow. I didn't realize that that was a big enough song. No. It's such a silly...
0: Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Silly little song. Yeah,
1: such a silly little yeah. song. It's a,
0: did you know it was their biggest hit in the US? I had no idea. Yeah. It reached number 71 on the Hot 100, number one on the modern rock charts. So Mayor of Simpleton is from XTC's 11th studio album.
1: Okay, that's a lot of
0: album. And their second double album. Yowza. And it's called Oranges and Lemons. Okay. And this is their follow-up to kind of their US breakthrough, Skylarking. Okay. And Skylarking was... A fairly successful album in the US because it featured a song called Dear God, mm-hmm. not the mid song that we heard last week. Okay. So XTC, for those of us who might not know, they actually formed all the way back in nineteen seventy-two. And I was kind of surprised that they formed so early because I always think of them as kind of a you know, post punk slash pop band. Right. Seventy two um, though. But let's talk about this song. Okay. Mayor of Simpleton. I read a, an interview with Andy Partridge, who wrote the song. And he said that originally he was goofing around on his guitar. He was trying to figure out the chords to Don't Fear the Reaper by (laughs) Blue Oyster Cult. And he found some wrong chords. He said, that's not it, but I like the sound of that. Uh That's cool. And meanwhile, he had this song called Mayor of Simpleton, which had kind of a reggae light vibe to Mm -hmm. it. Totally different song, Uh, but he wasn't liking where it was going. So he took those lyrics and he threw them over this new chord progression his attempt at Don't Fear the Reaper and it sounded good and it stuck. So I just thought that was a really fun origin story for this one.
1: That's a a cute story.
0: Mm -hmm. Should we give it a listen? I,
1: I wish you would play it.
0: Okay, here we go. XTC, The Mayor of Simpleton. Just as silly as I remember. I think that's a really, really great song. I think it's super catchy, it's really well written, it's tight, it's propulsive. There's just so much to like about it. But lyrically, I don't like it.
1: I, I totally agree with you. It's there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's really fun, it's really catchy. I don't think I need to listen to it again, though. Really? Yeah, like one time. And I've heard the song many times.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I like the song more than you do, but calling it Mayor of Simpleton, it seems storybook-ish to mm-hmm. me. It seems like a fairy tale. Yeah. And so it kind of makes it seem like a kiddie song that just rubs me yeah. a little bit the wrong way. That's
1: funny because the image I get mm-hmm. when I think of this song is actually like the old woman who lives in a shoe. And I have no idea where that picture came from, but it is that same fairy of, tale or so, yeah. uh, nursery rhyme. Yeah, and
0: they have a minor hit song Punkin- that's coming a little bit yeah. later. The Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead. Peter Punk- yeah, Peter and Pumpkinhead. Yeah. same problem. I think yeah. it's a good song. And the imagery that I get mm-hmm. is just kind of just story juvenile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. I don't know if that's something everyone feels. I don't know. Um,
1: um, well, people dig it.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I dig it too. I, yeah. I don't want to talk too much to Matt because I no, do think this all. is a really not good song.
1: Yeah, and it is a kind of a quintessential 80s sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's enjoyable. Yes. But like I said, I just, I don't even think this wouldn't rank in my top 50.
0: It wouldn't rank in your top 50 XTC songs or it wouldn't rank in your top? <laughs> f-
1: I, definitely not my top 50 XTC. No, my top 50 songs. Oh, okay. Um, Name your top five.
0: Okay, Statue of Liberty, Science Mm Friction, Making Plans for Nigel. I
1: love Making Plans for Nigel. Great
0: Fire. Uh, That's a good one. Senses Working overtime.
1: That's a really good one.
0: Yeah, Life Begins at the Hop. You know
1: what? I think I need to reevaluate everything. (laughs)
0: Like your whole worldview. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah.
1: But this song still isn't, it's not hitting the mark for me.
0: Okay. I I forgot Dear God. Obviously, that's one of my top.
1: Yeah. I liked remembering this band. I kind of want to go home and, and revisit.
0: Yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to our next song, our next artist. This next artist is named Robin Hitchcock. Okay. And Robin Hitchcock was originally a member of a band called the Soft Boys, which were sort of a punk band when they started, but quickly became more of like what might be described as a jangle pop Uh band. And they put out a classic album called Underwater Moonlight Uh back in, I think, in 1980. Okay. Now, if we flash back a little earlier to one of their earliest singles, I discovered them through one of those Rhino DIY Mm -hmm. compilations that we mentioned earlier. They had a song, the Soft Boys had a song called I Want to Be an Angle Poised Lamp, and I fell in love with that song. Uh It was maybe my favorite song on the whole compilation. (laughs) I just thought it was so great. So I picked up a copy of Underwater Moonlight, Uh and of course Underwater Moonlight I thought was an amazing album. Uh And I'm not the only one. Peter Buck from R.E.M., got a hold of that album. He was working at a record shop and he fell in love with it too. He fell in love with the jangly guitars Uh and he took some of that sound and he used it as the guitarist for R.E.M.
1: That's a good story.
0: And what's neat about that is it actually goes all the way back around because when R.E.M. started to get popular, he enlisted Robin Hitchcock to open for them. Mm -hmm. And the song we're going to hear today called Madonna of the Wasps, Peter Buck actually plays guitar on.
1: That's very sweet. I like this full circle business.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit more about the Soft Boys before we get into the song. The Soft Boys, after Underwater Moonlight did not sell very well, they broke up in 1980. And their guitarist, Kimberly Rue, he went on to form his own band called Katrina and the Waves. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Katrina and the Waves is most well-known today for their smash hit, Walking on Sunshine. So poppy. But they have another claim to fame, which you might not be aware of. Tell me. They were the winners of the Eurovision contest in 1997. Which no one in America cares about. That's exactly right. So Kimberly Rue is off doing his thing with Uh Katrina and the Waves. Okay. Meanwhile, Robin Hitchcock... I'm going to say go solo in quotation marks. With the Egyptians. So this is Robin Hitchcock's seventh solo album. Okay. But his fourth with the Egyptians. Okay. And it's called Queen Elvis. But the rest of the band is pretty much the soft Boys minus Kimberly Rue. Huh. It's the same band except they lost one member and they picked up a new member. Okay. One more thing that I think we should mention about Robin Hitchcock. Okay. Is that he appeared in a Jonathan Demme-directed uh, music documentary all right it's called storefront hitchcock
1: oh wait i have seen clips of this
0: okay it's basically robin hitchcock sitting in a storefront i don't wait. know he's like in a coffee shop yeah. or something and he's he's playing a bunch of his songs
1: that's funny i didn't realize that this was a documentary but i've seen clips and i always thought it was very funny mm-hmm. you see him playing his music his back is to floor to ceiling glass window, window of a storefront mm-hmm. the audience is facing him and then facing the window and then people are just walking by on the street right. and they're like looking in the window as they pass by and you just see people over and over doing this double take because they're realizing that this guy's putting on a show
0: mm-hmm. they can um, probably see cameras exactly mm-hmm. and the audience right lighting and yeah microphones. so you're watching
1: him but the show is kind of the man on the street right That's very funny.
0: Yeah. And Jonathan Demme, well, he's famous for a lot of things. He directed Silence of the Lambs Mm -hmm. and won Best Director Oscar for that. Mm -hmm. But he's also famous in the music world for directing Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads music documentary. That's fun. And that's the one where David Byrne comes out on stage wearing the giant oversized suit. suit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I have two things to add. One... I have seen him perform live. You have? I have. He was at an Amoeba Records, I think the one in Los Angeles. Okay. And he did an album that was just Bob Dylan covers. Okay. And I was excited enough to like get across town and go see him. Yeah. And then two, he covers a folk song called Wild Mountain Time, which is definitely on my list of top 25 favorite songs. Really? I, you know, I have a very soft spot for folk music mm-hmm. and this is kind of like a more synthy version of a folk song. And I just think it's it's a beautiful song to begin with. And then his version, I think, is just lovely. What's the song called again? Wild Mountain Time. Wild Mountain Time. is in like the
0: plants. Oh, Okay.
1: I think it's just like a traditional English song or something like that. So, so anyway, for not knowing much about this guy and not being a fan, like that's
0: I've got to say I'm That's a little a jealous. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although uh, I'd say I'm a reasonably big fan of Robin Hitchcock, mm-hmm. but it would be kind of strange for me to go out and see him and then he plays all cover songs.
1: I, I wish I could remember how I felt about it. Like, I don't remember why it was important for me to be there. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't know what album was coming out.
0: It was a Bob Dylan covers album.
1: Yeah, but like, I didn't know that. And yeah. I, you know, I'm not so much a Dylan fan and I'm not so much a Robin Hitchcock fan. I, I wonder if at the time I was kind of, you know, in the rabbit hole of exploring music sure. and maybe his name came up and he was enough of a an influence on enough bands that I like yeah. that I thought it was important to take the opportunity. I don't know. Do you know.
0: remember those days when something could seem mildly interesting to you and you just like have the time and energy to go out and do them.
1: I can barely get out of the house (laughs) (laughs) to go grocery shopping. I can't
0: be bothered to see my favorite band when they come to town. Yeah, I
1: heard the Pixies were coming to town and I was like, I didn't even look to see how much tickets were. Uh,
0: (laughs) Small tears dripping down my cheek.
1: It is pretty sad.
0: Okay, so let's go ahead and listen to this song. This is Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians. Madonna of okay. the Wasps. Yeah. Madonna. Loved it. I'm glad you said that. I love it, too. It's a song that I think is really simple. Yeah. As far as I could tell, it barely has a chorus, right? it's, I, who it's cares? A, yeah, exactly. It's. I mean, the chorus is what, like a couple words? Yeah. And that first verse, so it good. just kills me. It's so good. And I feel like if I was trying to sing along, I would probably start tearing up. Yeah, um, I
1: could cry right now.
0: Although, to be fair, I was uh, driving my daughters in the car the other day, Yeah. and I want to be 500 Miles by the Proclaimers came on and I was singing along and I was choking up. <laughs> That's just my headspace right now. Oh my
1: gosh. So uh,
0: so pretty much what I'm saying is any song can make me cry yeah. and this is one of those songs. What's true?
1: Well, you know, I, like talking about this song and the song I just mentioned that I love by mm-hmm. this guy, well, covered by this guy, these songs just evoke something and in this case, it's like, I don't know, It's it's this weird vibe I get from certain movies and certain sounds where it's like, it's happy and it's sad at the same time. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, like that melancholy, but like the kind of melancholy you want to feel. Right. It's also a song that like, I'm sad to hear that it's on the charts. Like I, it's one of those songs where I wish that only I knew about mm-hmm. and I could listen to it. And surprise someone with it. And in fact, a lot of people probably feel that way.
0: But to be fair, it is the modern rock charts mm-hmm. in the late 80s. So only nerdy college kids were... College kids who maybe are like five years older mm-hmm. than you they would know it, and beyond that probably not too many people yeah so this song did peak at number two Mm -hmm. and it retained that position for three weeks
1: yeah that's that's very respectable
0: yeah but it couldn't get past XTC, Mm -hmm. um and then slipped down the charts Hmm. in a way
1: well i know which song i would rather listen to yeah which one this one
0: got it (laughs) (laughs) okay so once again Speaking of bands that I discovered or artists that I discovered, in some part through you, Mm -hmm. our next artist we're going to listen to is Morrissey. Oh, boy. And we've uh, covered Morrissey before in episode five of the first season. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to go into too much detail. What
1: what song was that just to spark memories?
0: Every Day is Like Sunday. Okay, a good one. Mm Mm-hmm. I would just say he was the lead singer and founder of The Smiths, mm-hmm. and The Smiths are a very, very important band, and mm-hmm. one of my favorite bands. And yeah. That being said, when I got my hands on the first Smiths album I owned, which was their singles album, mm-hmm. I remember distinctly the first time I played it, I played it all the way through, and I thought to myself, other than How Soon Is Now, every song sounds exactly the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I listened to it two or three more yeah. times, and then I just fell in love with every song. Yeah.
1: yeah, It's not everyone's jam, that's for sure. Right. I know some people find it to be mopey and whiny. I do not. I happen to love Stephen Morrissey.
0: Yeah. The Ma's. The Maz And you know what? Johnny Marr, you're really cool, too.
1: Johnny Marr is pretty cool. Which, wasn't he living in Portland for a while? What? I think he was. I think he was. Yeah.
0: We should get Johnny Marr on the show. We
1: should get Johnny Marr on yeah, the show. Johnny,
0: come on down. <laughs> Give us, a, give us a ring-a-ding. <laughs> so Morrissey, after he went solo, he released his first album, Viva Hate. Okay. And then he made kind of an odd decision. He said, rather than follow it up with a second solo album, I'm going to release a series of singles mm. and not put them on a follow-up album. Interesting. Yeah. So there's this thing where he has all these songs and one after the next, they chart. At least they charted in the UK and mm-hmm. most of them charted on the modern rock charts. And then... People wanted to own them. Mm-hmm. And so he put out a compilation album. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, a best of Morrissey plus some B-sides. Yeah. But after he only had one album out. That's amazing. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, he's known for just kind of doing his own thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? So,
0: that album's called Bona Drag. Uh huh. So, if you've ever seen that one or if you want a copy and we're wondering about it, that's what it is. It, it includes the two singles from his first album, Everyday It's Like Sunday mm-hmm. and Suede Head. Mm-hmm. And then it collects all of these singles that he released that were album free and then B-sides <laughs> for those. So, the, the first single that he released, album free, mm-hmm. is called The Last of the Famous International Playboys. And this song went to number three on the modern rock charts. Okay. And it seems to be about a criminal. Kind of singing about how he wants to be like these famous British gangsters, Hmm. the Cray brothers. Hmm. He's kind of idolizing them and saying, I'm doing this too. I'm going to be like you. Hmm. So I want to give you a little rundown on the Cray brothers. Okay. So these guys are twins. Okay. By the name of Ronnie Cray and Reggie Cray. Okay. The Cray twins were notorious East End London gangsters. Okay. And they were running things down there in the, in the 50s and 60s. And they also had a legitimate business. They were nightclub owners. Uh-huh. And so through that, they got to hobnob with a bunch of stars, Frank Sinatra, Judy Garland, hmm. a bunch of British people I've never heard of. Um, they became celebrities in their own right just for being people about the town. Mm-hmm. Now, eventually, they were both convicted of various crimes, including murder. Ooh. And they were sentenced to life in prison. But they are very famous in England. They have been not just mentioned in this Morrissey song, but they had a UK version of Drunk History Mm -hmm. episode about them. Uh (laughs) If you're familiar with the Libertine song Up the Bracket, Uh they're mentioned um, not by name, but they're kind of referred to in passing. And they're mentioned in the song Charmless Man by Blur. And here's a really fun fact. In 1990... A film was made about them called The Cray Brothers. And that's a good title. It's fitting. And starring as the Cray Brothers were Gary and Martin Kemp of the band Spandau Ballet. What? Yeah, it's true.
1: Huh. Wait, is it true?
0: Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, sorry about that one. <laughs> no, it is true. It's true. Yeah. Should we listen to this song? Yeah. Okay. The Last of the Famous International Playboys by Morrissey.
1: I don't know how I never actually listen to those lyrics, especially since the chorus of the song is one that is in my head more often than I would like to admit.
0: Yeah. I'd like to admit it. I, I really you like do? the song. Yeah. yeah this but, is so uh, you walk
1: around going, oh, oh, oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do.
0: Yeah. But now you're going to be walking around going, Ronnie Craig, you know my face. Or whatever. Yeah. I It, it is funny. I, I remember hearing lines about... Um, prison. I'm, Yeah, prison, and I'm not naturally evil. Mm -hmm. But I never really got that it was, um, I don't know, hero worship. Yeah. Now it's obvious. Yeah, weird. Yeah. I think there's a top 10 Morrissey song for me. Hmm. Not counting the Smiths, but solo.
1: Yeah, it's a good
0: song. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts? You didn't Uh, didn't add too much about this one. No,
1: I didn't. I've seen Morrissey a few times. Oh, okay. He's a good show. Mm -hmm. And I can remember a long... Long, long version of Mita's murder where he ended, he pretty much ended like writhing on the floor, kind of like rolling back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And that was pretty painful. That
0: song is so uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. It's like one of the few Smith songs I don't want to listen to. He feels
1: very strongly about animal rights. Very strongly. When I saw him, it was either in Los Angeles or San Diego. And he has a, a very large Mexican-American following. Oh, really? Uh, and I think as far as I know, it's no one's quite sure why. Mm-hmm. Other than maybe it's like that croony sort of style that...
0: It's a great mystery.
1: It's a great mystery. But people, like they have the, the, the Morrissey tattoos and the pompadours. And, you know,
0: there is that um, aspect of certain mexican american Mm -hmm. cultures that are really into uh kind of a 50s like yeah pompadour look and yeah kind of.
1: and uh one of the opening bands was called jaguaras oh i actually don't know where they were from but they had definitely had like a latino vibe Mm -hmm. and this was kind of like the dream of all dreams when we showed up as it turned out Morsi had to hop on a plane and get back to London, so he actually opened for himself and Whoa. then left, and then Jaguaris came on. And so, like you know, to like see who you're there for first, and then yeah. you get to like pack up and leave if you yeah. want to, and then like the opener goes last. Right. But I think it was like a mix, like people who were at this particular show were like in it to
0: win it with both. Okay, that's good because yeah. that would be oh, really sad. Oh yeah, people didn't leave. For, like okay. people
1: were in. Like Jaguares, as far as I know, has a, a pretty strong okay. fan base.
0: Good. Yeah. Um. I was talking to Paul or guest from last episode Mm -hmm. and he was telling me he had fairly recently seen Morrissey Uh and at this concert Morrissey had a big screen that was having images projected Mm -hmm. onto it and he said it was just brutal brutal images of police brutality Uh videos or images. I think
1: that projection thing is part of his shtick.
0: Paul was saying that there's mothers with small children and their kids are crying and very upset.
1: You know who doesn't care? (laughs)
0: Morrissey he does not care no
1: no he's just his own guy
0: yeah do you remember a clockwork orange I do I'm picturing all these poor concert uh-huh. goers who are now having the songs of Morrissey ultra uh, violence yeah like yeah. locked into their brain associated with these horrible images mm-hmm. every time they hear a Morrissey song in the in the future they're gonna start vomiting it could be yeah they're gonna go into convulsions
1: I mean that's a it's a sad eventuality but do you want to stop police brutality Put on a Morrissey song. <laughs> Everyone will just start puking. Yeah. <laughs> Yuck.
0: Uh, I don't want that to be my response. No. no.
1: It's kind of weird. It's uh, I don't know. Like I, I really do enjoy his music, but I don't think I would like to meet him. Really? Because I don't think I would like him very much. Mm-hmm.
0: I know what you mean. He seems so strong in his opinions. I'm a little
1: self-righteous. Yeah. That. I'm all for having beliefs and sticking with them. Like I'll give him that. Like he. Mm -hmm. he sticks with it like there's no wavering like you know he feels very strongly about certain Well but we need him to
0: waver because we need him to uh, make up with Johnny Marr and put on a Smith's reunion show because I think that's what we all want to see
1: yeah I would like to see that
0: okay well we're gonna close this show on a a lighter note okay we're gonna listen to a band called Erasure okay do do you know anything about Erasure
1: uh there's a Depeche Mode connection
0: yeah definitely
1: uh very synthy very poppy Maybe a little annoying. (laughs) What? (laughs)
0: Uh, Okay, so let me give you the rundown. Erasure is a a duo. Okay. And one of the members is a guy by the name of Vince Clark. And Vince Clark is one of the founding members of Depeche Mode. And really early on, he quits the band. Okay. He joins a new band called Yazoo. Although in the U.S. they were called Yaz. Hmm, Okay. And that band lasted a couple years, and then they split. And he formed something called The Assembly, wherein he would just work with various artists. Mm -hmm. And then that whole project kind of fell apart. And he decided to start a new band, and that band was called Erasure. Okay. So when he's starting Erasure, he puts an ad out in some newspapers Mm -hmm. looking for a lead singer. Meanwhile, there's a, a young fellow <laughs> by the name of Andy Bell. Okay. And he's working selling women's shoes. Uh huh. And he answers this ad and discovers that, in fact, he's auditioning to work with his musical hero. Aww. And he wins the audition, mm-hmm. and the two of them become the synth-pop duo Erasure. And best friends. And, well, I mean, I don't know if they're best friends necessarily, but they have a great working relationship. Mm-hmm. I read that they they never argue. Mm-hmm. They just get along really great. And
1: they still vacation together.
0: Maybe. They do have some kind of magic because even though they weren't nearly as big in the U.S., I think they had maybe 13 top 10 singles in the U.K. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, in the U.S., they're probably most well-known for A Little Respect, uh-huh. Chains of Love, uh-huh. Always, uh-huh. Ola Moore, maybe. Right. I love all of these songs. Do you? I really do. They make me really happy. Hmm. You know what they make me want to do? And I mean this totally seriously in the best possible way. They make me want to dance at a gay dance club. Okay. Yeah. And here's the thing. I do not like to dance.
1: It's true, you don't. Not at all. That's a very high compliment. Yeah, would I be incorrect in saying that Andy Bell was a gay icon?
0: Yes, you would. Oh no, you would be correct. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) He's not gay. How dare you? No, Andy Bell is something of a of a gay icon. Uh Yeah, for one thing, he was openly gay Mm -hmm. at a time when almost nobody in in music was. Right, Andy Bell, he's very front and center Mm -hmm. and out and proud about it. Yeah, Yeah, and if you watch concert footage of them, he's Mm -hmm. performing in a tutu. He's performing in super tight gold sparkle Mm -hmm. swimsuits.
1: It's kind of like an FU.
0: Kind of, yeah. It's like, this is how I'm going to do it. This is who I am. But like
1: a cartoony version A little bit cartoony. To just be like, I'm not even... Yeah. Ashamed. Like, We're not, and I'm going to take it and run with it.
0: That's right. Yeah. So, this song called Stop. Okay. I'm sorry. It's called Stop! Exclamation point. <laughs> oh, okay. It only hit number 19 on the modern rock charts. And it's from a, an album called Crackers International, hmm. which is a Christmas EP. Kinda oh, crackers. Crackers. Like yeah, snap.
1: yeah. Oh, I guess like so. Like comes with a paper crown and a. I guess
0: toy. so. I never even thought of that, but you're probably right.
1: I mean, it could go either way.
0: And. Have you ever seen the music video for a little respect?
1: I don't think I have.
0: So if you want to kind of get a feel for what we're talking about with this band, watch that music video. Every line of that song, they do something visually to literally demonstrate the lyrics. Hmm. Right? Like when they want to make them sweeter, there's Mm -hmm. like them with like some sugar being spooned, like superimposed (laughs) over them. I want to say it's campy, but irony-free, and I don't even know if that's a thing. Hmm. Does that exist?
1: I I don't know. Maybe just this video.
0: Well, no, because the video for "Stop" features a bunch of like giant stop signs and stoplights, oh, wow. like that the band is is playing in and around.
1: Hmm.
0: I mean, I find it endearing. Yeah, I find it hilarious. I don't know. It feels genuine, and it feels silly. They're almost, in a sense, like the anti-Depeche Mode
1: like no dark streak.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like all the synthiness but mm-hmm. then remove everything dark about mm-hmm. Depeche Mode.
1: Well, I I don't think I've ever been into Erasure, but you're selling it.
0: Okay. Here we go. Stop. By <laughs> Erasure. <laughs>
1: It, it does make you kind of want to move a little.
0: Yeah, it's fun, right? Yeah,
1: I don't know that I would go home and put this on. But no. But it, it is fun. Um, what it reminds me of is every movie from the 80s where the opening credits mm-hmm. like, are setting the scene of someone moving to the big city because they just got a divorce or graduated college and they're in their junkie car pulling a trailer. Uh-huh. And so it's basically like a cityscape. I like, can
0: totally picture that.
1: And then like, that's this song.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you get a, any kind of ABBA vibe from it? Like ABBA's disco but if you like made that synthie. Yeah,
1: maybe. I mean, if I were putting together a mixtape, I could very easily put this song next to an ABBA song.
0: Yeah, I just mentioned that because to me I get a very similar feeling mm-hmm. from the best songs of Erasure and ABBA. They're just yeah. they make me want to dance. I think they're super fun. Both of them seem to be a little out of touch with what's cool. You uh-huh. know, like they don't seem like okay. they're trying yeah, yeah, to yeah. be I mean, they're absolutely not pretentious. They're uh-huh. just like We're having fun, and this is our thing.
1: I like that. I like that explanation, and I think you're right, because much like you, I also detest dancing, and ABBA makes me feel that
0: way. Yeah. Now, here's another reason I brought that up. Mm A couple years after Crackers International, Mm -hmm. Erasure puts out another EP of all ABBA cover songs.
1: That's something I would listen to.
0: Yeah, and they actually had a minor hit with a cover of Take a Chance on Me.
1: Uh-huh. I can see them covering that song so hard.
0: They do. They cover it so hard. Yeah. And it's fun. Huh. You should check it out. All
1: right. Well, I'm reformed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I now have an Eraser album to go listen to.
0: Yeah, good. Okay, so that's our songs. Great. That was fun. Good. Thank you so much for listening today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, Elizabeth, for joining us. If any listeners out there would like to contact us with questions or comments or corrections, you can send me an email at thisismodernrock at gmail.com. If you liked any of these songs, I encourage you to throw down some hard-earned cash and support some artists. And I hope that you tune in two weeks from now and every two weeks following.
1: Out of curiosity, how many people would have to throw down some cash on an erasure song to get them back on the charts?
0: <laughs> At this point, I think like if they could sell 5,000 albums, they would probably be like a top 10 album sale. well maybe. there we go. Yeah.
1: How many listeners do you have? <laughs>
0: not, <laughs> not quite there yet. I'm working on it.
1: <laughs> well, goals.
0: Hashtag goals. I'm getting with the times. <laughs> I know it's up. Yep. All right. All right, well. Okay. Have a good one. Thank you again. Bye. Bye.